0: Hello, and welcome to the DC Fempreneur podcast, a community for local DC area female entrepreneurs that collectively seek to combine and share skills, knowledge, and expertise to help impact and grow their businesses to make them more purposeful, profitable, and sustainable. Lisa Shapiro here, founder of DC Fempreneur. We are officially launching season two of the DC Femme podcast. And of course, I am so, so excited to have a very dear friend of mine, Mary Kong DeVito, to launch us into season two. I've known Mary for about 10 years, and we met on what I call the food trail. And we were food bloggers back in the day. If you know anything about my background, then you know that I was a food writer, food blogger for many years, from 2007 until about 2016. I met Mary. She was the editor-in-chief and genius behind Girl Meets Food, and still is. Born and raised in New York City, she just really became that really fun, smart Pithy, that woman that you would kill to have that voice. Well, you know, Mary's been published everywhere from the Washington Post to Eater, Washington City Paper. Today, she provides digital marketing for hospitality clients and is a content creator for not only her own podcast called, of course, Girl Meets Food. But she is just one of those people, very, very well known for being just a tastemaker, a person who's always up and running. And she's very well known, I think, as a person who constantly stays ahead of the trend. She reinvents herself quite a bit to stay on top of everything. So thank you, Mary, for being here. I'm so happy to have you.
1: Hey, Lisa. Thanks for having me.
0: This is really, really fun. Like I've had such a busy day and I thought this is going to absolutely be the best part of my day because normally doing a podcast interview uh, is very serious. And, you know, it's like I'm nervous about talking to the person or making sure I don't forget to plug something that they're doing or say the wrong thing. But I think We've known each other at least ten years. Yeah, it's easy when we start. Yeah, talking like I it. think it's you just can't gonna, shut us up. absolutely. It, it feels really neat. I think to work on something together again. Yeah, um, I mean, even though I am not really so embedded in the food community anymore, um, you know, I think it's kind of like that saying: of once you're a foodie, you're always a foodie. But I feel like I'm not really a part of it, you know, like if I really want to know something that's going on, like I'll go to your website or honestly, it's your Instagram is just booming. (laughs) So I'm sure as soon as, uh, you know, the, I release the episode and people are going to look to see who Mary is. I've been talking about it all week. Um, you know, how do you, besides the pictures of you and your bikini, that (laughs) is a a dead giveaway, how you get those followers.
1: (laughs) girl. Sex
0: sells <laughs> since the beginning of time, right? It sure does. The, the the, what's the saying? It's
1: the oldest job. Like, yeah, it's the oldest job and probably the best business model, honestly.
0: Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean, you have more than 10,000 followers. So just, you know, tell us about um, the, the process of how you come up with what you're going to write about or your ideas for a podcast episode. So, I mentioned in the show notes that you have a podcast, but it's very different than mine. Uh, I mean, most of my um, my members of DC Femme are know. I occasionally will uh, speak openly with a little slip of profanity, <laughs> um, but you know, it's a completely different thing to just be yourself and be wholly authentic and be able to just say like whatever is on your mind you do that really well so um so yeah so tell me a little bit about uh what made you start your your podcast the girl meets food podcast and i mean you have what 14 episodes now just about yeah And so how do you come up with um, a topic that you're going to talk about or someone that you're going to interview? Yeah. So like you were saying, you know, uh, you don't do food food
1: anymore, but you and I have been doing this for a long time, known each other for a long time. We started in food and uh, for the same reasons you really have evolved, you know, I've evolved too, beyond food because, you know, as individuals, we are complex and we have many different interests. And, you know, it's not all about food. You know, we we evolve, we have more important causes and more, you know, different interests 10 years later. Right. Yeah. And so like you, when I started my blog, Girl Meets Food 10 years ago, it was all about, you know, fun foods, different foods, because as you and I both know, t- DC 10 years ago was a very different total totally. restaurant scene, right? Yeah. Well, now you can find just about anything under the sun. But, you know, 10 years later, we're older, we're more mature, we are in different places in our lives. And I feel like I have a higher calling beyond food now. Oh, wow. There's only so many rainbow bagels that I can cover, you know? Right, I mean, right. It's like some <laughs> things are just a little more important. And so I feel like with the platform that I have developed over 10 years, I think I have a bit of a responsibility to speak up on behalf of women and provide a platform for women to speak mm-hmm. and tell their stories. Um, I think that's more important more than ever in the current climate. Oh my don't gosh, you think? I completely agree. So, you know, I, I, I just, I, you and I both know so many great women in the F and B industry with great stories that with the rise of Instagram, those stories get lost. Yeah. I think with the rise of Instagram, and, and we talked about this on a recent episode uh, of my podcast, that we as women already have to, we already have this impossible standard of beauty to meet, right? You got to have the perfect body. You got to have perfect hair. Yeah. Well, now with the rise of Instagram, which is really only what, like uh, 10 years old? Maybe. Less than 10 years yeah, old. Yeah, less right? than 10. Sure. Now, we not only have to have perfect hair, we have to have perfect, you know, partners, we have perfect dogs and perfect lattes and perfect apartments, right? It's it's a lot of pressure. And so I think as a result of that, the downside of that is that more than ever, we have this unattainable standard of perfection to meet. And then the people who see these notable women, these celebrity chefs and like people that they see on Instagram, they cease to be human beings with, with, with feelings yeah. and people online on social media feel very comfortable throwing out criticisms. And so oh. the, everybody's a critic. Everybody's a critic. Yeah. And so <laughs> part of the reason I do the podcast is to allow these women to come on and tell their stories and speak. And therefore, maybe humanize them yeah.
0: again. Yeah. So there's more to Tiffany than the flour and the eggs of her cakes. So yeah. Like, yeah. So recent recent episode, uh,
1: we, t- we had Tiffany McIsaac of the famous buttercream bake shop. Everybody yeah. loves her cakes online. She's yeah. famous for her little Cardi B cookies and, you know, fun,
0: really fun stuff. Um, you Remember but- when we met her? When she was working at a, what was the name of that restaurant group where they she had, was at Birch and Barley, I believe. Yeah, church. but even church before group. that, oh, the neighborhood restaurant group.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And uh, gosh, I mean, look how far everybody has come in yes. ten years, right? Wow. Like, wow. Yeah. yeah. And
1: and uh, you know, she made a cake for Trump's inaugural ball, oh one of God. one of his balls, and she got a lot of flack for it. I'm sure. Um, so we talk about that on the podcast and so, but the point is to give her a platform to talk yet another platform to talk about, you know, you can't have too many. I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, She would have probably been a good person to talk to for the episode that you did about, um, couples who work together. Yeah. Because her and Kyle, they still married and work together. Yes. Kyle,
1: Kyle Bailey, they're still married, but he, uh, opened salt line at the wharf and she has her buttercream bake shop. Yeah. Over in Shaw. Yeah. Um, yeah, that they really are a power couple. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my husband Michael and I will tell you that we can't work together. Absolutely not. Like, <laughs> it is it is uncanny how whatever he thinks, I will think the opposite. Whatever I think, he will absolutely think you the think opposite. You
0: think it's on purpose? That you guys are each other's double sabbucket? I
1: Maybe. Like, you give us one task to do, we will absolutely guarantee to do it in opposite ways. And so I find it very oh frustrating. <laughs> so we cannot
0: work together. Yeah, when you were saying something about how we have this pressure of having, like, the perfect bodies and the perfect flats and the perfect partner. I mean, Michael's not here, but he knows I'm his biggest fan. (laughs) But I think you've nailed the whole perfect partner thing, at least appearances sake. Like, he's an incredibly good looking guy. He's very intelligent, very well spoken. Like, I mean, Kevin's not here, so I can't, uh, say, you know, that he's really, I can't even imagine, um, hosting like a podcast with Kevin. You know what I mean? I would be like having to pause it and be like, like, let's re-record that. But that man can bake some cupcakes. He can, can't he? (laughs) That is really funny. Like uh, a manly man who, who bakes, but uh, you know, some of the best chefs are men, but, but anyway, we're not talking about men. Like they are, hello, they are not part of this. But, um, so yeah, I mean, you've had your, and I noticed that the website is completely, completely different than it was last year. So you completely revamped your website and launched the blog pretty much simultaneously, right? That was part of the celebration, 10 years, which is a long time. Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of people don't know that
1: um, when you and I first started our blogs, we didn't know where blogs were going to go. We didn't know what influence. I didn't know were. what we a blog was. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we didn't know that you could make money off of this thing. But when I started the blog, r- just about right away, I knew that if I was going to spend the t- the kind of time that it would take to make this something, that I wanted to make money. Yeah, and you know, this podcast is all about making money, right? Making that money, bitch.
0: Well, so. <laughs> I think for me, I'm not gonna say no, but I think I'm pretty well known in my community, at least the founding members know that I have a hard time charging for things. I always want every event to be free. I want, and it's really one of the reasons why I started the podcast was because I wanted um, a value added for the members Mm -hmm. so that I could feature them, Mm -hmm. you know, because female businesses, um, although I think we are in the age of the woman, we're in the age of the women's empowerment. And I'm very excited about that because, you know, my daughter, who's now 11, is part of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it'll be very interesting because they are going to be obviously our future. But um, so, yeah, I think that the idea of the podcast was an additional marketing arm to support those female entrepreneurs. I mean, just like you wanted to start your podcast to share the story of these, um, you know, food and beverage tastemakers, these, you know, people who have really created a culture in DC around food. Um, I'm wanting to really spotlight and highlight,
1: you know, small businesses. I
0: mean, you're, you fit right into that. Um, so I,
1: I don't have a problem charging people, just charging the right people, ah, you know, and, and, and charging your worth. Yes. absolutely. am learning that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely charge my worth because at the end of the day, my time is the most Valuable thing and so what I was saying was when I started the blog I knew that eventually I wanted to recoup some money for the time that I put in it mm-hmm. And I really put a lot of time in it just like you did to make it what it was And I don't know if a lot of people realize but after I think six years. I sold that blog And at the time I was like is does any mean does anyone even buy blogs like yeah. half the people don't even know What the hell a blog is I I'm, was really <laughs> impressed by that. Well, you know, I took a chance because I think I got to a point where it was only six years, but I busted my ass day and night just like you did yeah, yeah. to make that blog a, a valuable resource. But then at the end of the day, I said, who am I doing it for? I'm neglecting my family. Mm-hmm. I'm neglecting my friends. Like all I'm doing is like sitting on my laptop and posting stuff. And it's great to offer this service for people because At the time, Eater was just like a fledgling blog as well. And, you know, even your blog, Dining in D.C., was like the resource in D.C. for anything restaurant related. Like the time that you spent uploading all those menus for restaurant week twice a year, every single restaurant. I mean, there's like hundreds of restaurants and you uploaded every single
0: menu. Yeah. um, And people turned to Dining in D.C., to see what was going on. So yeah, like, I mean, those were the months where my po- my page views were off the charts. But you like, worked
1: your ass for that. I did. Oh, yeah, you worked your ass off for that. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, I came to a point where I was like, you know, I I don't know where this this is going. I mean, I mean, ten years later now, I'm like, oh yeah. So like blogs are like an actual thing now, and you can make a total business off of it. But you know, I sold the blog. Uh, long story short, and uh, I I parlayed that into a career in freelance writing Mm -hmm. and eventually marketing Mm -hmm. to what I do now. Um, But, you know, I was winging it the whole time. The only aim I had was that I knew that I wanted to make money somehow. I wanted this to be my career. I didn't know how I was going to do it. Did you create a business
0: plan? Yeah.
1: You did? I did. But, you know, it was completely unpredictable because it was unprecedented. Sure. (laughs) You know, Instagram wasn't a thing yet. I mean, Instagram influencers, like, nobody knew what the hell that was. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that was a made-up thing that millennials called themselves. Yeah, yeah. So and, and not that I'm an influencer. I, if anything, I'm an
1: influencer is like what I'd like to
0: call myself. Well, but you're a niche influencer, like the people who think that being outlandish is super funny. I like that about you. I've always really admired that that voice that you had, that really funny. I mean, even your sponsored post for was it Lifetime Fitness? It was for Vita. For Vita, um, those are really funny. I, I mean, really I know so. you wrote that content on your own. I did. It's brilliant. Well, I mean, it's how I feel
1: because at the end of the day.
0: Remind my, me what it said. It was like when I have to put my hot dog down or when I have to put my fried chicken down. or So,
1: I mean, I, 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 <laughs> I'm doing a sponsorship with Vita Fitness, and I guess this is like a plug for them now. <laughs> Um, Now they owe you more money. I didn't want to portray this like, oh, look at me. I'm working out and I have a perfect body kind of thing, which completely is against everything. That's so Uh, not you. It's so not me because, like, I eat pizza. I eat donuts. Okay, okay, but that doesn't mean that I don't work out. Of course, you know, at the age of 43 now, of course I have to work out because I got to work off those damn donuts. I just ate three quarters of a Pizza Hut stuffed crust pizza by myself last night because my husband's out of town. (laughs) <laughs> and as a result, I have to go to sweat box and like, you know, burn it all off. But that's the type of uh, exerciser I am because there are many different types, right? We're not all sure. like in cute little outfits and, you know, our hair always looks perfect and we don't sweat. Like, I know. Every time that. I see people like that, I'm like, what? Yeah, it's not realistic. <laughs> but, you know, it's OK to have every type of, you know, person who works out, you know. And yeah. so that's what I'm trying to portray. On, on my feet because it's real. That's me. It's like, it's yes. You. It's like yes. yes, I love to
0: eat more than anybody else, but I realize I also have to work out. I really so. love the way that you tie that in though, like your authentic true self and the way that your readers have known you for now 10 years. And then you can get a sponsor like Vita Fitness and still like use your true voice and be your authentic self, but market a product that is completely almost contradictory to like eating whatever you want or like going out as much as I mean like I I see your your feed it's like it's oh my gosh in the photography you have the best pictures like I love those ones when you're on that big rainbow wall I'm sure everyone listening now is gonna be like oh now I have to go look this up (laughs) um but you know I just think that even though your brand is Girl Meets Food, like I am noticing on the website, there's like the girls list, right? Of like all your favorite things. Yes. Um, and, you know, I'm sure like Oprah's like, shit, she's competing. <laughs> <to Yeah. me's laughs> list. Yeah. Um, But, you know, it, I think it's really, I think it's really, it's really cute. And I think the way that you, I think I said this in the intro, the way that you continuously like reinvent yourself or you update yourself, you know, I want to ask you like, Because I sold my blog a little bit after that you did. And we got our blogs back at the same time. That's right. But I didn't bring my blog back. Like, Dining in DC is still non-existent. Like, if you go to the URL, it's gone. But when you brought your blog back, you had, like, a new sense of gusto for that. Like, you knew what you wanted to do with it. So how do you keep it fresh for yourself. Like how do you, you know, when you're building a brand that you've had for 10 years, how do you creatively inspire yourself to keep going? Because how many times can you write about brunch for Mother's Day, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you keep it fresh? So when I
1: sold off the blog Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, we, you and I had both kept in touch with the the company that bought both our blogs and he very generously like the the guy who owned the company, he very generously uh, offered to give them back free and clear. Yeah. And so at the time I was like, uh, I, I don't even know what to do with it because like my plan was to sell it off and not having anything to do with it ever again, but this opportunity presented itself. And so with anything in my life, I just wing it. I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna take it back before you change your mind. I don't know what I'm gonna do with it, yeah. but I guess I'm gonna wasn't that weird. I, yeah. I
0: was I just sent him an email and was like, Hey, I wanna post on the Downing and DC Facebook page. And then his reply was, I think I CC'd you. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, I think so. I don't
0: know why I did that. I guess it was just my nature to include you. And uh the fact that he replied and was like, Yeah, it belongs with you, it's your baby, it's your you know, it yeah, belongs so, with its rightful owner Owner is what I think he said. and That's right. I can't even believe that.
1: Well, I guess it's just fate or kismet or whatever yeah, you want to call yeah. it. And so now armed with this new opportunity, I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can do something with it. Yeah. And, you know, it, it still had power. It still had some influence. Mm-hmm. I hate even using that word at all anymore. But it, it did. It had some momentum to it. So I'm like, all right, well. I'm going to take it back. I'm going to rebuild the website. Yeah. Did you build it yourself? I did. Looks it looks pretty took awesome. Months. Thank you. Thank you. I, I have developers who uh, help me on the back end, but um, I, I take care of the UI, which is something that I do for my clients as well. But it took months to rebuild it from scratch. Um, but now armed with the new platform again, I'm like, all right, well, blogs are not what they used to be. Right. And so, I've actually stopped publishing on the blog and focused my efforts on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is all part of the bigger plan now. I, I, I have moved on beyond uh, just being a blogger anymore. You know, like that's not where I make my bread and butter. I am now in marketing and the whole Girl Meets Food brand is, is a way to help me stay visible. So you could say that it's an indirect way for me to, to make money off my marketing firm. Okay. So my marketing firm is Fatback Media. Mm -hmm. Through that, I I, um, take care of clients who need social media management, copywriting, website design, all that stuff. So it's very separate from Girl Meets Food. Mm -hmm. Um, But Girl Meets Food now is kind of like a – I mean, it's still just kind of like a glorified hobby, and it's a way for me to showcase my portfolio. So on Girl Meets Food, you'll you'll see my photography – videos or anything that's like food related. Yeah, I so. think the photography
0: is really good. You have a creative like genius to that. Like I I don't know how you come up with it. I really don't. Like I'm not just, you know, blowing smoke, but I I've always really thought your photography was really really thank good. You. I think it's just about the eye. Like you have this really neat way of like capturing an angle different than that somebody else would have looked at it that way or well, thank you. So I have a question real quick. Mm-hmm. So um Remember how when I was transitioning from writing for Dunning in DC or creating content for Dunning in DC, and I wanted to change sides of the table. I wanted to work with Ellen, I wanted to do her catering, I wanted to do events, because I thought it was really neat that we became the person well-known in DC that, oh, if you wanted to throw a blog, a blogger event, right? We were the people that people asked, hey, who do I invite to make this a big deal? we were the people they asked because we knew everyone. And so what I felt like when I changed sides of the table, I felt like there was a couple of whistleblowers that were like, hey, I had to check my my integrity there because it's difficult to stay objective, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're going to write about, um, so let's say that Tiffany McIsaac pays you to uh, put a buttercream ad on your blog or whatever, right? Mm I mean back then I guess it was a sort of a different time but I was called out a couple of times if like I let's say I included um like Clydes right in a story you know maybe a roundup for Mother's Day I mean it's such a small little mention but if they were a paid advertiser it was like that crossover mm-hmm. so how mm-hmm. do you what do you think about like using the Girl Meets Food as a way to stay visible, as you said, mm-hmm. but then at the same time, some of these, I mean, are, how do you separate the clients that are paying you? Because mm-hmm. your, your specialty really is the food and beverage industry. Mm-hmm. So it's restaurants who really are hiring you. Yeah. Because yes. that's really your, well, your
1: expertise. That's very easy. So the clients that I have under Fatback Media, they are never mentioned on Girl
0: Made Oh, really? Yeah. Well, don't. But don't they think that's the best part of working with you is they have this, oh, my gosh, they have Mary in their pocket now? It's a separate business. Wow. I'm very
1: firm about that. They're not disappointed? They never ask, frankly. Really? Uh, it's not an expectation. And if anybody asks, I'd say, like, that is a totally separate business. We can negotiate some yeah. terms
0: with that. Like but they can be included in some things as they would have naturally.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, well, for example, when I was uh, freelance writing, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't have clients. I was just strictly freelance writing for myself. And I was writing for Washington Post and City Paper and all that. I, I didn't have social media clients right. at that time. That came later on. So once I started taking on social media clients and like copywriting, and all that, um, I was no longer freelance writing. I was only doing marketing. And then um, there were a few years when I wasn't doing Girl Meets Food at all. So that was a yeah. problem. Yeah. I only launched Girl Meets Food in January of 2019, so it's been about what uh, nine months now. Yeah. So those are th- that is very separate from my Fatback media clients. Not once have I ever. Um, I mean, I mean, I only. Well, I, I only keep a few clients at a time anyway because you know it's just me <laughs> oh yeah it's very time consuming for yeah sure. so those clients are never ever mentioned on girl meets food that's a totally separate thing and they're not mentioned on the podcast either oh, because really? the podcast is also girl meets food that's a totally separate business
0: yeah yeah that picture of you with that squid or <laughs> octopus or whatever it is oh my gosh it, i if i answered a questionnaire the same way every time which i probably do it's like what is the only food that you cannot stomach—it's squid or it's octopus. I don't know what it is about it. It's just like the the. So like the, yeah, ah, for the
1: people who don't realize, the cover for the Girl Meets Food podcast yeah. is—it's just a headshot of me, and I've got uh, a. a Octopus tentacles sticking out of my uh, <laughs> mouth. And it's really funny. So, the story behind that photo shoot was uh, the photographer is a great friend of mine, Joy Asiko okay. of Asiko Photo. She is an amazing celebrity photographer and she is able to capture an energy in a photo. Like, she's a photographer. I'm just someone with a camera. Oh, please, It's girl. true. No, I mean, I'm not trying to be modest. It's true. She is a true photographer. So, I, I called her up one day. I said, "I want to do a photo shoot for for the cover." Uh, I said, "What is the weirdest thing I can put in my mouth?" <laughs> so she's like, "What am about- I glad Michael's not here?" <laughs> <laughs> she's like, "What about um, that pink furry Asian fruit, rabutin, I think it's called." And I was like, okay, that's cool, cool. Yeah, like, I was like, I don't have time to drive out to H Mart in Fairfax right now. I'm gonna to go to Whole Foods. You should have and called me. I could to pick that. I offer. know. <laughs> so I was like, I'm just gonna to go to Whole Foods and see what I can find. Sure. So unfortunately, there was no fuzzy pink fruit or dragon fruit or anything like that. Uh, but I picked up some sardines and I picked up a raw octopus Ooh. tentacle. And so I expertly, the day of, I expertly blanched. The tentacle, so it would just curl just so. Yeah. But it was basically a raw tentacle. But that was your instinct. What can I put in my mouth that's yeah. outlandish? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you Google it now, there's like a million pictures of octopus in mouth. So Uh-oh. I mean, no idea is ever original anymore. Oh. Okay. But I just thought about it. I'm like, what's the weirdest freaking thing I can put yeah. in my mouth? And so that's how it came to be. Um, we take we took pictures of sardines in my mouth too, and that just didn't look Quite right. Right. But the tenac- the octopus tentacle came no, out it's the, good. the best. Yeah. And by the end of the photo shoot, I smelled I'm like sure. raw seafood. I just smelled like low tide. Were the cats like The all cats were swarming. They were just like, <laughs> <"Row!"> just <laughs> circling. And so <laughs> it's really funny Ugh. that, I mean- I wasn't going to eat this octopus, and no. after I've been handling it, it's like all over that my so face, and was just disgusting. And yeah. so I gave it to the to my two cats to eat. Afterwards. They ate it, so they ate like this five dollar piece of octopus, a very nice organic <laughs> so octopus funny. from Whole Foods.
0: Yeah, what was the name <laughs> of that column that you had in the Washington City paper? It was like,
1: oh yeah. So a lot of people don't realize this. I I started the. Washington City paper column called Are You Gonna Eat That? Are You Gonna Eat Are That? You gonna eat that's that it. Now? Yeah. The idea was, was. But you pitched them to that idea. I pitched right? that. The, uh, so the editor at the time was Jessica Sidman, who yep. is now at Washington, Washingtonian. Um, but yeah, I pitched the idea to her, but she actually came up with the name.
0: So the title Are is. Are You Gonna Eat
1: That? Is... Yeah. That's to her credit. Yeah. And you
0: talked about everything like dried seahorses to. Yeah, so sausage or well, uh, well, I So don't that know. was my shtick with the girl meets food. Totally <laughs> at
1: first, that was kind of my shtick to like introduce people to like what you would consider weird or unusual. I wasn't gonna foods. eat it. <laughs> you know me, I'm not <laughs> gonna. Yeah. But these are only weird and unusual foods if you're not familiar with foods from. Other cultures, or you know, other sure. countries. Yeah. Um. You know, someone's eating octopus out there. Someone's eating dried seahorses out there. I mean, yeah. this is like typical. I totally stuff other vomited other in my
0: scene <laughs> while <laughs> I was watching an episode of What's the guy with the glasses bald? It's like we, um, Alton Brown. Alton Brown. I, no, wait, Nick. No. I forget. It's like I forget the name of the show. It was on the Travel Channel. uh It was like these, you know, strange places where he would travel, and then he would eat the foods and. I, oh, Andrew Zimmer. Yes, that's it. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So Andrew and he did an episode where he was he ate a live snake heart. Mm-hmm. I maybe I had just eaten dinner. It was too, hadn't digested or something. But I totally vomited in my <laughs> sink. I but I imagine a lot of the things that you grew up with as delicacies or even commonplace foods, I would have had that reaction. Like I would have been like really weirded out. Come on. You're half Filipino. I know, but I'm a (laughs) back Filipino. I'm a back Filipino. Like I've never even made pancit or lumpia from scratch in my whole life.
1: There's like pig blood stew in Filipino food. I mean, it's delicious. I've never even had
0: that. What? It's delicious. I know. know.
1: Um, But yeah, I mean, so I grew up in a traditional Chinese household where, yeah, you ate everything. You ate intestines and hearts and all sorts of like crazy things that Americans (laughs) wouldn't eat but so so the but it served you well because that's that was your that was your niche for a long time yeah so that was that was what I did for the city paper was uh find like the weirdest unusual food and I wrote about you know what it was where to find it how much it cost and like what it tastes like
0: yeah so
1: yeah that was my niche
0: so if you were to This is kind of changing gears, but it just occurred to me. If you were to like close your eyes and imagine the like ideal like restaurant group to work for or the ideal like tastemaker, who would it be?
1: Mm. The
0: ideal restaurant group? Would probably... Yeah, like your dream client. Like if they called you and like, yeah, Mary, we've been watching you and, uh, you know, we really think that you're interesting and that you would be a really great addition to our, our team. We'd love to have, work with you. Who Probably. Would, who think, would you die over? Think food group. Really? Yeah. So think food group. So think food group, I think, would be the ideal client. Well, isn't he in, isn't Chef Jose Andres in uh, Bahamas right now? He's probably in 50 different places at once. I mean,
1: you yeah. know how he is. He does not age. He doesn't age. He doesn't slow down. He doesn't sleep. He might eat. <laughs> well, he has probably. to eat, obviously. Yeah. He probably drinks wine. But, yeah, I mean, I would I would love to work with him because uh, he is someone who truly loves food. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's the one that really started the movement that food was a language. Remember that? Yeah, I get it. I mean, I I totally relate to him. Like, I love food so much. It's like, You know, I like I like to say like the most developed muscle in my body is my tongue
0: because I really like. I'm glad (laughs) Michael's not here.
1: (laughs) But it's true. Like my sense of taste is like off the charts. I love I love all sorts of food, and and I think that's how Chef Jose Andres is like too. Like he just really loves all sorts of food. He loves exploring ingredients like everything is like fun and exciting and adventurous yeah and even the element of the
0: culture like i think he likes the the food as a culture even more than the food itself Mm -hmm. like uh i mean this was years and years ago most people who know me don't even know this but like he had this special event where he invited all of these like food bloggers and writers and stuff over to his house. Mm -hmm. This is when he lived in Potomac. I don't think he has that house anymore, but can you imagine being a new foodie on the scene, right? And you're invited to Jose Andres's house. And he had this big presentation about Iberico ham Mm. and Phyllis Richmond was there. Damn. And she was the person that when I was in high school, um, I idolized. Me
1: too.
0: You know, I I, I didn't spend money on beauty products. I didn't have a fancy car. I didn't give a shit about any of that. But I knew where to go for really good Richmond. So Phyllis Richmond was Washington Post critic before Tom Seatson. Right? That's right. Yeah. I
1: bought I, I was young and broke at the time and I saved up to buy her one of her dining guides. Yeah. And I just flipped through it. it was
0: amazing. I still have some of those, I think. I mean, the whole Marie condoing thing. I probably got rid of some of it. <laughs> but I mean, I I remember it took me almost the entire, like two hours. I was at Jose Andres' house to approach her. She was walking with a cane, uh, but everybody kissed her cheeks. You, I mean, you know how Jose kisses the left and right cheek, but every she was just like this presence. Oh my gosh! Nice. I don't. I probably stuttered and probably misspoke. I probably didn't even say my name, but <laughs> I remember meeting her, and I think she's. I mean, I I don't, I can't remember if I've ever met Tom Sietzma. Ty Klein and I have, but I don't think I've ever met Tom Sietzma in person. But it's a different feeling, Mm -hmm. I think, to grow up and to really idolize somebody. If someone said, oh, Lisa, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, oh, I want to be like Phyllis Richmond. Everyone was like, who the hell is that? (laughs) Right? They didn't know who that was. So I I was a very uh, different
1: girl. Oh, I school. mean, I, I totally get it. I mean, Phyllis Richmond. I mean, I dreamed
0: about eating at all the places that she Me recommended too. In her guide. I mean, who has that kind of money, though? Yeah. Wasn't she the one that really did all those disguises? Yeah, that's right. Like, yeah, she did yeah. all of her names. And, like, <laughs> you know, one day she was Sarah Quinn. The next day she was, like, some other name. I guess that's what you have to do. Yeah, because I remember, this was so long ago, but before – um, Stephanie Gans was hired at the Northern Virginia Magazine. Mm-hmm. They told me flat out I couldn't even be considered for that position because um, everybody knew who I was. Yeah. I was so out there, mm-hmm. you know. In terms of, I mean, not just crazy y'all, but um, there was no way to be anonymous. And and all food writers and and food critics, the real paid ones, were anonymous. Well, like I she know. changed the game.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's really funny that anybody thinks they're they're anonymous anymore. I oh, mean, well, Tom yeah. Sitsuma yeah. You know, still doesn't have photos she of him. He did have that picture Lindberg, in Washington, you remember, remember that? Come on. They tried to scrub that. Yeah. Like everybody knows what he looks like.
0: Yeah. And limper too. I mean, you're not hiding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think they have uh, a secret stash of pictures in that kitchen back there. Of
1: I'm course, like, every kitchen in DC has a photo of Tom yeah. Sitsuma. I mean, that's that's old news, right? I mean, yeah. So even with disguises, I don't think it's gonna, it's gonna pass. Yeah, I mean, I've worked with a lot of restaurant clients. Everybody knows who he is, wh- what he looks like when he walks. What into about the three. other?
0: What about Jessica Sidman? And well, she's not anonymous. She's not. She's the one me. who really changed the game, mm-hmm. because when she was hired, it was for a city paper. I really thought that was a good fit for her. Yeah, she was really. I mean, she moved here from Denver. This was probably two thousand ten. She moved here from Denver. Her real like uh, expertise was in video. Mm -hmm. And I remember when she came to the city, of course me as like the grandma blogger, I introduced her to everyone. She was an introvert and you know, as an extrovert, Everybody, It's this really funny meme that has been floating around Facebook, but it's so me. It's like uh, Spongebob and like Patrick, where it's like Spongebob is like hugging Patrick. And it says like when an extrovert meets an introvert, (laughs) it's like you, an extrovert just takes over, you know, they take over um, introducing you around or like they become your friend and the introvert just never says, hey, I don't want to do that. Hey, I don't want to go there. Hey, I don't want to meet that person. Like, sorry, you're <laughs> you're stuck with us now. Like, we've taken you under. You're our 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 poor little introvert friend. Um, and so I remember meeting her, and uh, gosh, I haven't talked about this stuff in so long. Um, oh, she's gone, far. but those are really good times.
1: Yeah, and she's gone far now.
0: She's the uh, one of the food editors at Washingtonian. Yeah,
1: so.
0: I buy I buy the I still buy that episode every January when they do the, the 100s best list, Mm -hmm. but I am so far removed. Oh my gosh. If I open up the magazine and look at the 100s list, the top 10, I don't get to highlight anymore. You know, like I used to make a photocopy of the list, highlight it and then put the date of the last time I went. And Hmm. uh, I don't, I had them all the way back to like 1998. I threw them away.
1: I mean, there's so many restaurants
0: now. You, and all the good ones, oh, sorry, I don't. I shouldn't say that. All of the institutions are gone. Like, didn't Mazda Maza 14 just closed? Mazda 14 just closed after oh, probably yeah. 10 years? I mean, I remember when that opened. Yeah. I mean, we went to that media opening. Mm-hmm. And what was the name of the, that drafting table one? Yeah, that place was. That didn't last very long. Yeah. It actually lasted longer than, than, what you thought. than
1: I thought it would. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, there's so many restaurants now that it's hard to go to the same restaurant more than once because there's just so many to try. Yeah. Um, But I think that's why also it's spawned or helped along this culture of blogging. And everybody thinks they're a blogger. Everybody thinks they're a critic. Everybody thinks they're an Instagram influencer, right? Yeah. Because – Frankly, I mean, you can't. Tom can't handle it all by himself. There's just so many. Can you imagine how many? I mean, he already eats out like five times a week, right? So yeah, and he works out seven. Even, <laughs> yeah, it can't even be good for you, honestly. At the end of the day, right? Yeah, so all that, all that cream and cheese and well, what? yeah. I mean, and I think he's very good about it, but I mean. You and I have experiences. Like I got the freshman fifteen when I started blogging. Me because, too. Like I treated every meal like a buffet. Me too. But you know, Tom Teetsam at least is good about like pouring salt on his foods we can't eat anymore. It's like I was eating. Does everything. he really do that? It's been said that he does. Yeah, I didn't know. Because you have to control it somehow. You can't. You can't treat every meal. Like it's a buffet. Yeah. You know, it it, it will spiral out of control yeah. very quickly. And like the 40 courses of the mini bar. Yeah, it's 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 insane. And also at the end of the day, let's be honest, like restaurants use so much salt and butter to make their food taste good. I mean, that's why it tastes good. Yeah. If you used the same amount of salt and butter at in your cooking at home too, it'd be amazing as well. Yeah, but, you know, you try not to do that. So so there's a downside of blogging. And so I think that's why I, I also had to stop because I realized it wasn't good for me. It wasn't mm-hmm. good for my health. And 10 years later now, yeah, I got to, like, go to the gym and, like, work off
0: all the stuff. I this know. Suckers. I really should be doing a lot more than I'm doing.
1: Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, I wouldn't give it up because I love I love being in the food industry. I love food. I love going out and trying new places. Totally. And I suits you. feel very blessed that I get to Work with restaurant clients and, you know, photograph food and write about it because, as they say,
0: you should write about what you know. Yeah. And they also say, I think it was Confucius, right, that if you find something that you love, you don't work a day in your life. Yeah. I feel very blessed. I know it was Confucius and not Oprah. For the longest time, I used to say it was <laughs> Oprah that said it, but I'm I'm, um, I'm backing up, you know, B-O before Oprah. Yeah. yeah. So, like, what's what's next for you? What's next for Girl Meets Food?
1: So, um. So I'm focusing on this podcast that I tape at the Eaton Workshop, mm-hmm. downtown D.C. Uh, they've been a great partner. Um, they provide a beautiful space where we can tape and, you know, the st- studio is great. And our aim is to create content that helps women, mm-hmm. to, f- to, to help women feel like they're not alone. And to talk about all the topics that no one seems to want to discuss, right? All the uncomfortable things, and you know, I've been told before, like I've been told many times throughout my life that I tend to put my foot in my mouth. That you're not supposed to say certain things, or you're not supposed to talk about certain things. Cause it's not polite conversation, sure. and I never understood that. Politics, our bodies, yeah, what else? like I mean, Religion. just like I don't know. I mean, I mean, anything under the sun. It's like I. Guess I don't have a filter on my mouth and I end up saying whatever the hell I, I think out loud a lot, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But, and knowing that, I was like, you know what? Maybe I can turn that into a positive. Maybe I can turn that into some type of advantage. And so that's why I started the podcast and we try to ta- tackle topics that affect all women mm-hmm. that are uncomfortable sometimes. And so we've done an episode where we talk about our hair, like why, why is our hair so important to us? Right. But beyond that, cause it's our crown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then beyond that, cause I'm curious about these things. What is it like having different types of hair? You know, if you are black, like how does black hair behave? If you're Asian, like how does Asian hair behave? Like, I don't think we understand other people's
0: hair, right? Outside of our It eyes. has to be like part of your industry knowledge to yeah. know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I wanted to have a conversation about that because it's important and there's, you know, certain things that you can't say to people because there are certain racial undertones yeah. that I don't even realize. And so, when I create my topics for the podcast, I create topics based on the things that I'm curious about and that I want to learn about because chances are if I'm
0: curious about it, everybody else is. How do you find your, how do you come up with your list of guests? Because I think, I mean, I, every podcast I've recorded where I've had a guest, it's been me and one other person. Um, But when you're recording it, it's sometimes three or more. Mm -hmm. How do you manage to have everybody in the room and still, it's not, I mean, it's still a big giggle fest. And I like that about that. Um, But how does everybody feel like they can say what they need or how do you manage that? That's a lot. I mean, I just, it, I just let it. Let it flow. Yeah,
1: I just let it flow. I just let it happen. Um, every guest knows who the other guests will be, so sure. that I, I want everyone to be comfortable mm-hmm. and informed when they come into the studio. And I always tell people, like, this is a safe space. This is a place where you can say whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> Honestly, like, if you have some, if you have some uh, frustrations to voice, if you have like whatever, like, this is a place that you can say it because I think as women, we don't get enough opportunities to say what's really on our minds. Half the time people don't even ask you what you think, right? Right. Like people don't even ask you what you think. And the other half just ignore you because you're a woman. Yeah. So I'm doing something about that. I'm saying like, you can't offend me. You can say whatever the hell you want. I
0: think to. a lot of people are very easily offended. Actually, that's a really good thing to talk about. Like, okay, so do you see Fempreneur podcast? All the people that I interview are females. They're business owners, um, some, you know all walks of life. So for someone who is authentically you, I know what that means. Everybody else will have to figure out what I mean by that. but you know you speak your mind and you aren't afraid to come forward and, and say your opinion about things that we're not you know even supposed to talk about. Uh, society has their own rules. But what is your advice to a business owner? who is trying to build a brand who's um wanting to have clients or they you know how did they how do they put themselves out there but not offend because you know like i've been told several times uh that some of my political posts even if i try to just post it as a news item i've received plenty of warnings um, I'm better now about about posting personal stuff. Thank you for all of those late-night text messages. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's like if I – but it's very true. So, like, I've taken on this role of being a a community leader. So I can't say the same shit I used to say. I can't – I can, but then I could isolate half of my audience, right? So how – what is your advice to a business owner who – um, wants to build a brand. She's maybe very confident in who she is. Uh, you kind of have to be in this day and age, you know. Um, how do you express yourself in your social media or in your branding without still being you, but without being really offensive? Or, I mean, what's the role now for business? Yeah. Um,
1: I think it starts with research. And okay. being aware, awareness is really important. A lot of people don't have it—self awareness. <laughs> it's really funny, but <laughs> I think awareness, especially as a business owner, you have to be aware of what's happening in the world. Okay. And so I, I find that that I use that a lot, especially when I'm doing social media management, right? Like social media, if I'm posting on on behalf of my clients, I need to know what's happening from like hour to hour. Because you don't know if you're going to say something that might be offensive, because like you don't know that maybe suddenly on the news something happened, yeah, and then like you're saying something that could be misconstrued, yeah. And so now it becomes crisis management. Yes, and you don't even want to go there, that's right? A show yeah. that's a whole other thing. Just prevent it in the first place. So as a business owner, I think it's important to be aware and. Um, of what's going on, but also editing time is really important. Like I'm not good off the cuff either, obviously. Like, I don't I end agree up saying at all. That like, but okay. <laughs> so I think giving yourself editing time, mm-hmm. you can, you know, as as they say, they just say, as they say, you just write, but then mm-hmm. you edit later, right? So you can say what you want to, but. You might have to do some editing, and then maybe get a, get a second pair of
0: eyes. On yeah, it. yeah, I've had to do that quite a bit for some emails. I do too. I'm much better now. Uh, much, much better now. But yeah, if I'm responding to an email where I'm a little bit emotionally charged, luckily, like I do have this, you know, tribe now of founding members where I can I call them my my brain trust. So if I'm responding to an email, I can send it to a few different people and say making sure I'm not completely blowing my stack on this, like making sure my tone is good because that's one of the reasons why I know I can't work in corporate America is because how many times have I been warned for my tone, right? (laughs) Or uh, like I'm just inappropriate or something. It's like I was always meant to be work for myself, but yeah. But now there's a whole different level now because now I'm working with people who are, Professionals, they're business owners, so that pressure of coming across as um, diplomatic or coming across as professional is even more important now, and it's never been one of my skills. Yeah,
1: and I think at the end of the day, even more than self-awareness, you really have to trust your instinct, because deep down inside, you know yeah you know if you should do something or not, right? Or if you're being an asshole. Right. And so, like, (laughs) you know, I'm I'm very lucky. Like, my husband is my publicist, too, because, like, I'll have him, I'll, I'll write something and I'll have him read it over and I'll be like, you know, what do you think? And he's like... Yeah, you can't tell someone to fuck off. I'm like, why not? <laughs> and that's like a, my response a lot. So, <laughs> so yeah, I think But the end of the day, like, you know when you're writing something or saying something, like, you have to trust and and, and just go with that little voice deep down inside, inside that says, like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't say that.
0: Yeah. It's
1: like dripping with that undertones. That voice is there. Yeah. You're just ignoring it. <laughs> right?
0: so, that little person who's sitting on your shoulder that's saying... You know very well when you're typing this out that you are being condescending a little shit, you know, like for sure.
1: Yeah. And, and, and being aware and, and reading the room, right? Yeah. If you're in a social situation or a business meeting or something, like you have to actually be aware of the people around you, what their body language is, like how are they perceiving you? So I think all those clues. Yeah. Think,
0: yeah. Well, how do you read the room though? If you're like building an, your business essentially almost all online. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you have more than 10,000 followers on Instagram at any given day. It goes up and down by however many, like I know that too. I haven't been able to break past the like 1400 mark. Um, I mean, I don't try really hard, but I would love to have 10,000 followers. I want to be able to have people swipe up. Like that'd be so cool. It takes a lot of time. It really takes
1: a lot of time to build up that following. I mean, it's from engaging with other people, right? Yeah. And that engagement takes so much time. It's, I spend hours a day. Clicking
0: on others and yeah, hurting engaging things, people, leaving comments. Yep. Leaving
1: comments, leaving likes. um, Yeah. Engaging wow. with other people. It takes hours a day. And, you need an assistant. Yeah. I Well, I do have an assistant who helps out with the podcast. Oh, that's Her name that's is cool. Tiffany, and she's lovely, and she has a great eye for for photography, but she also has a great eye for detail. I'm very lucky to have her, um, but she doesn't help with the engagement. So, um, but she helps with other things to kind of take them off of my plate. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that stuff takes time to build up that following. Yeah. And once you have that following, you got to keep doing it.
0: I (laughs) know. Yeah. I think that's the thing that is, you know, people keep telling me that I do, I spend my time creating the MailChimp newsletters, uh, and I've gotten to the point now where it's almost like it used to be something I dread. Now it's a source of joy because when people reply and they say, wow, this is really beautiful. Like I love the DC Femme color palette. Like the person who developed it for me did a really good job. It's beautiful. Um, I mean, I developed the website myself, but. She created the logo. I mean, it isn't it funny how it looks very similar to the dining in DC logo. You ever noticed that on the yes um, on the DC Femme like yeah, with a circle blush
1: instead of green?
0: Yeah, yeah. On the DC Femme website, there's a about tab, and it's not about the company; it's about me. And I put the two logos side by side so people can see. And I put like a one little liner, and it says something like, "Whenever you're building a business or building a brand from that's from your passion." and it comes from you you're going to see some familiarity or similarities i think i would have said but um because natalie who developed the Dining and dc logo who's still a very dear friend of mine um she saw the logo when i launched it and she says oh my gosh that looks so much like the Dining and dc logo and i said what like i didn't even <laughs> see it but she she did so um are consistent <laughs> so yeah i had to put that in there somewhere uh, because I didn't really realize that I was essentially recreating myself. I guess I didn't realize it until you said it, but yes, it does look
1: like the D looks the same, I guess.
0: Yeah. Like I I, I went back and forth with the, with the, Creator, she was hand drawing it. Oh, wow. Um, And we went back and forth several times about no, like, I want the D to be strong, but it still needs to be feminine. Like, I sell all these things. And um, because I don't really consider myself a very feminine person, but I was trying to create a brand where it can still, um, you know, look powerful, but a soft kind of color that I think um, that is a little bit feminine. Um, so the rose gold is just something I've become obsessed with over mm-hmm. time. Um, I'm not sure why. Well, for your listeners who uh,
1: want like an affordable solution to logo creation, um, I've used Logo Joy before. Logo Joy. I have heard of Joy. That. And uh, they'll ask you like a few questions in the beginning like, oh, do you like this shape? Do you like this color? Like what's your favorite color? Like do you like this font? And it will generate a few logo, and you can, like, add, like, uh, little icons, too. Mm-hmm. So it'll generate this logo for you, um, and not just one. It'll lo- it'll generate, like, maybe 20 of them. That's neat. Yeah, and then you kind of, like, whittle it down, and you can, you know. Is there a real person behind it that takes feedback? Or? No, it's automated.
0: Whoa.
1: It's automated, but you can also, once you choose a design, you can pay extra to have one of their graphic designers to kind of tweak it a little bit. And it's really affordable. I paid like $50, I think, or $100 That is or a something. really good price. It's yeah. a really good price for those who are starting out and maybe they don't have a lot of money.
0: Yeah, I mean, because a lot of people, when they're just starting out with a, creating a new brand, yeah, in their mind, one of the first things that they want to create is the logo because to them, uh, and I was the same way too. I mean, I I don't remember the order um, by which I created DC Fempenor. It was probably... I was inspired by something, decided I was going to do it. I may have started working on the logo before I created the website, but they all kind of work together. I'm not even sure. But yeah. um, I think it does kind of help create that branding voice. Like it, it it's kind of like a wedding cake. It sets the tone, right? So yeah. I, I'm hearing like the you know, Martin Short, not Martin Short, yeah, Martin Short from, like, the, the, the cat, the Thurman's the kind of wedding <laughs> you have, right, you know, like, your logo, I think, really does help, uh, set the tone for your brand. Well, visual identity also isn't the
1: same as it was 10, 20, 30 years ago, where, you know, logos were more like, um, graphics, they were, like, uh, they weren't text logos like they are now. Like, mm-hmm. in the last 10 years, everyone's got a text logo. So, okay, so you're basically telling me I just need to pick a font, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know? So that's why I like LogoJoy because, they're, I mean, you have a limited amount of, of um, options to choose from, and they're not original. But if you're starting out, like I said, like, sure. it's a really affordable option, and um, it's really user-friendly, and i got to say it's very, like, modern. Yeah. So they're not going to create like some old ass like times new roman font
0: you, <laughs> times new know? roman like, you know, or like
1: you're not going to get a logo in comic sans you know it's it's pretty sure. it's pretty cool so
0: that is me i'll have to i'll have to like i'll have to check that out because i'm it sounds like it's different than fiber or something else like that yeah yeah so so okay yeah. well i mean we've been kind of talking for a little while so i guess it's a good time to wrap it up um Anything that you're working on right now that you uh, are excited about or other than, I mean, I've written all kinds of stuff in the show notes, but is there anything that you're working on right now that you're really excited about? Um, just the podcast. Just the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Listen to the podcast. How if, often do you um, release a new episode?
1: So we publish one. We publish every Tuesday morning. That's so funny. I do do. Yeah. Every Tuesday. Okay. Um, and
0: we publish about every other week, so every other Tuesday at yeah. midnight. I try to do every Tuesday, but I took a break in between the seasons. So, but that I wasn't—that wasn't even really on purpose. It's just that, uh, and it's really funny because you were really scheduled to be one of the very first of season one. Actually, maybe mm-hmm. it works out the way that it is because um, I think it's a, a, a good way to start out. Is I mean, this is probably the longest podcast episode. I've ever had for the DC fempreneur podcast, but, um, I think we covered a lot of ground.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, it feels you, like
0: old times. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, if you are, interested, oh, we're just in, missing food and wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So if you are interested in any topic that affects women, listen to the girl meets food podcast. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Google play, SoundCloud, MaxCloud, Stitcher, like all of the podcasts, All of them, uh, all networks. of the
0: things. Yeah,
1: yeah. and uh, look for it at Girl Meets Food, and we are on social media at Girl Meets Food as well. And if you want to check out
0: the blog, it is
1: girlmeetsfood.com.
0: I'm noticing a, uh, a trend. Yeah, <laughs> that's branding right there. That's, it is branding. <laughs> and you had it from the very beginning. That's it's right. 10 years old. Yeah. So, okay, well, thank you, Mary, for being here. I really appreciate your time, and um, I will be sure to uh, add, like, all the links and good stuff, uh, in the show notes. Thank you. Okay. Thanks
1: for having me, Lisa.